Hey everybody, welcome back to The Moo Show. I've got a great show lined up for you today. Task management is going to be the flavor or the theme throughout. We've got some interesting conversation around Alex's first impressions on Teams shared channels. And then we are going to switch gears into task management, best practices, some tips, some tricks. And as always, feature versus feature is back. Let's do it. It's time for The Moo Show. I got to say, I love hitting the go live button on the Mo Show. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. And uh, good to see you again. Joined, as always, my co-pilot in chaos, Alex Henry. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well. How, how are you doing, Mr. Ryan? It's, uh, it's, it's only Wednesday, and I wish the week was over. It's, uh, okay, half glass half full. We're halfway through the week. Glass half empty. Is, my goodness, it's been a busy few days. I'm a little bit over the halfway mark, just saying, because I'm away on Friday this week. Oh, by the way, Ryan, I'm away on Friday. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's <laughs> FYI. FYI. Yeah, it's good. You you, you got to take some time off, recharge. I, I have this feeling, feel it in the air, that we're turning the corner on summer and, and fall, autumn is going to be here sooner than, than we think. Man. I just have that feeling. I'm hoping the feeling is wrong. I hope I'm hoping that our nice summer weather gets extended into September, maybe October, and I'm hoping we have an extremely mild winter coming up because we deserve it after yes. the last year of nonsense. And well, they always I can't say on a on a G-rated show. Are we G-rated? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't probably yeah. said worse things, but they always come out with that farmer's element. Oh yeah. And on the news, it'll be on mainstream. Oh yeah. The farmer's almanac predicts this and that folks stop buying the farmer's almanac. Just stop reading it. Cause then we'll never get those predictions. It's going to be a whole car, a cold, hard winter. According to the farmer's almanac, stop reading it. And then it'll just go away. And then we'll never have to worry about a cold, hard winter as predicted by the farmer's almanac. While we're at it, let's get rid of those groundhog predictions too. <laughs> good movie but yeah let's uh let's go and base everything off of a rodent's shadow <laughs> i mean someone at some point thought it was a brilliant idea i don't want to i don't know the backstory of groundhog day but we'll save that for another time but you're right brilliant movie there i watched it for i think the first time in my memory like last winter i think you gotta watch it over and over again that's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy but anyways Speaking of over and over again, hey, what have you been working on this week? What's new? What's on the top of your mind? Um, last week and this week has been a bit more of that testing of the shared channels experience. And that's been an interesting ordeal um, working with Microsoft as well on that one, because I, I'll talk about that in a few minutes. So I won't spoil anything, okay. um, but it's been pretty interesting and pretty fun. And then beyond that, trying out some new features um, from Microsoft coming up with team, uh, that they've been releasing for Teams meetings, uh, getting familiar with some of those new features that have been coming out um, and trying out the bookings with me page and some other features. So uh, a lot of R&D, but uh, there's some good stuff like that's coming through and only a few months away from Ignite, surprisingly. So I'm hoping the trend continues. I'm hoping we get to see some new news. And I've just been taking this time as well to kind of find new uses for things like Loop and some other 
uh, tools that have been coming out that we've been trying to find good use cases for for the everyday user. So lots of R&D, um, no major discoveries uh, beyond outside of the shared channel realm, but we'll talk about that in a few minutes. How about yourself? Right on. Um, for, for one reason or another, I've um, started doing a lot of reading about uh, uh, Agile, uh, sort of that primarily a, a development, uh, software development mindset, workflow, call it what you'd like, process. Um, but some interesting parallels around using Agile for project management, even managing a, a small team of folks that have a variety of tasks that sort of fit together. Uh, and that sort of just in time, getting things done just in time to contribute to larger projects. So um, really been reading, watching a lot of content on on YouTube about agile, agile terminology and things like epics and customer stories and things like that. So um, has not I wouldn't say it hasn't made a, an impact yet on my day to day work, but still really, really interesting stuff. No, you're, I was watching you're into it. that task management kind of thing it is uh it's kind of geeky yeah i i, I low-key am a little bit and i'm not saying i'm not the type of person that has i haven't done anything in an at proper agile setting but i was watching this video yesterday or the other day um that was kind of talking about a lot of mistakes people make or managers make in agile which is basically kind of prioritizing the methodology versus what the developers need to get the job done. Mm -hmm. Oh, we got to do this in this amount of time. We got to hit this metric. We got to, you know, there's a lot of things that agile apparently is a very specifically defined process. And a lot of techniques that people and management have been using don't actually meet that requirement. They're kind of making it up to fit their own needs. So it's an interesting discussion and something that we haven't like gotten into here. Maybe we'll talk about it one day. Yeah. Um, some nice, some proper agile techniques and how to use that in a M365 environment. That'd be kind of neat. Yeah. And I mean, it, even just taking, you know, what I've taken in so far about agile, it's like, okay, I can see we're planner. Okay. You know, Planner could be in there like a dirty shirt. There's there's other Microsoft products uh, specifically geared towards developers like DevOps and more more on the Azure side of uh, of the fence. But um, interesting, it's it's fascinating. I, I again, I started kind of looking at some things, kind of reading some things. I'm like, okay, this makes sense. But um, yeah, it's kind of what what I've been poking on in the last few days for sure. Nice. Any big surprises coming that I should know about? We are now a lean team and we're nah. going to be doing 24-hour <laughs> sprints. Stand up, stand-ups in the morning, sit-downs in the afternoon. I don't know. Oh, my you God. Know. There we go. But, hey, let's talk about Teams Shared Channels and your experiences. Yeah. So, so far. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, I've been really getting into sprints or not sprints. Oh, see what you got me doing. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Maybe it's just like not enough coffee yet. Um, so I've been testing out shared channels. Very, very excited about this feature coming out. And what I did is we have a test tenant, Brian and I share one. And we basically, I took up a couple of users. I put one in our work tenant. I put one in a private tenant. And I wanted to see what the internal experience of a of it is like for a shared user. Oh, sorry. I wanted to see what the shared channel experience is like for an internal user versus an external user. 
because you know they're going to be different. If you've ever been a guest in an external tenant before, you know it's just a little off because it's a bit, it's a lot more restricted compared to someone that's internal that has all the bells and whistles. And kind of where I want to start off with is I'll get into the admin side of things a bit later, but I do want to start with the admin, the internal experience, because I think this is where people are going to see a lot more value with shared channels. So let's take a step back. Um, traditionally, over the last several years, Microsoft has said, well, make a team for everything. Make a team for your projects, make a team for your departments, your sub-departments, make a team because it's someone's birthday. Make, just make teams and SharePoint sites all over the place. And some people, if you have a process of managing that, great. If you don't, then it's going to turn into a massive thing of team sprawl and a lot of SharePoint sets and no one knows how to clean up or manage. So team channels, shared channels come in place to say, well, you don't need a full team for this. You, do, you All you need is a channel and a SharePoint site for your file sharing for this group. And that is such a breath of fresh air because it it's almost an artifact. It's a bit of a restraint or a restriction in how many tools we need for a sub team, a project team, a cross collaboration team. You don't need 20 channels and breaking up all, and you don't need to break up all your work into multiple channels. You can literally just work out of a single channel. You have your SharePoint site and a shared channel for all your conversations. So you can make that work. And just starting off with this, with this internal, um, with the internal experience, you're not going to see too much of a difference. It's probably closer to a private channel experience than it is a standard channel. So, you know, standard channels are the main ones you get, like the general channel. Private channels are have a little lock on them inside of the channel. So you can they're invites only, but they only live inside of your main team. Share channels work in a similar manner where you can make that channel inside of your team. But in this case, you can actually invite people outside of your organization inside of your organization, you can invite the entire team, you can invite individuals, and they all work out of a single channel. So you have your posts, great, you have your files and share and SharePoint, and then you can add tabs to further collaborate on that. So just that internal experience, getting some getting set up with a shared channel for internal only work is pretty easy. Once it's all set up by your admin, so there's a few things that they need to do on that set to ensure that you have access to it. But once that's done, as a team owner, you can create a shared channel, and then you can start inviting people from across the organization, either by the by on a person by person basis or by the entire group. You can invite people as a whole. So you, if you have, let's say you're in a project management team, and you uh, you probably work on many projects across the entire organization, quality control, new project releases, etc. You can literally make a, pro a channel for that, invite whoever you want from across the organization, the, the key players, the chairs, whoever needs to be involved, either short term or for the entire project. This is your home base. And what I really like about this is that now we have to kind of rethink how we approach designing our teams, designing our channels to accommodate for shared channels in a sense, but to actually work a little bit smarter because now since we don't need an entire team, we don't need to plan out channels for an entire team. We just have the one and it's already owned by a, a parent team. So now you have a place for all the conversation, all of your discussions. You can move out of chat and just live in this channel. I love that because now uh, team channels, conversations will get a much needed boost. They will handle group activity much better than a chat will. And you don't need all the extra fluff. Of course, you still have a SharePoint site to deal with, but that's where things get interesting because 
instead of having everything inside of your channel, let's say you're in a project with like, 50 people, 100 people. It's a lot of conversations that could be happening, a lot of files being shared. Now you can start leaning more on your SharePoint team site more than you thought you needed to or thought you could. Because Ryan, in my in our experience, when people think of SharePoint, they're just thinking of the files tab, right? Yeah, right on. And now, let's say you need a place to store resources for a particular segment of your project. Maybe you got a Q&A team on your team. They need a place to store the resources. You can make a page for that. You have lists. Anyone can make a list in there. So now you can use that to manage your projects. Planner isn't available. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, you can still email. You can still add tabs. You can do a lot of customization to your channel. But you're going to have to start leveraging a bit more of SharePoint and getting more familiar with SharePoint to really set them up for success. Smaller teams, let's say 15 or less people, can manage probably with just the channel, with the, with the conversations, the files tab, and maybe a couple other little things. But if, what, if the channel gets bigger, let's say 20, 30, 50, 100 people, then you'll really want to start putting some procedures in place some controls in place to ensure people know where to find information, where certain types of information should be shared. Let's say entire project news or, or project team-wide news may, might be better off in a SharePoint news page versus a conversation versus an email. Because again, everything's going to be stored inside of that SharePoint, that inside of that channel. So everyone will have that information available to them. So overall, internal experience, there's a lot to unpack there. You're not going to see too many surprises. The, the, the key things I found was that you're, not, you're going to have a slightly limited experience, even if it's only internal. So for example, apps are really limited. So internal apps, first party apps by Microsoft, you have a handful of them. There seems to be a lot of third-party app support inside of channels. The one thing you're going to notice is missing is tasks, specifically Planner. It wasn't supported in private channels, and it's not supported here. And I would not hold my breath on seeing it come out anytime soon until they rebrand it as Viva Tasks 0365 in 2024. We'll see. <laughs> I'm making that up, but we'll see. I don't know what Microsoft's plan for tasks is at this point, but it's not available here. So... You still can leverage lists for your task management at a higher level. And then you can still use tasks inside of your own tenants or inside of your own environment. So that's the only thing I find that's missing here. Ryan, if there's anything else you're wondering about, let me know. But overall, there shouldn't be any surprises if you're familiar with private channels in this regard. Um, emails, or, or sorry, uh, scheduling meetings, meetings. Yeah, that was my that was my question yeah yeah meetings are available so if you are internal you can schedule meetings in here if you're external and i'll talk about that in a few minutes um you can only do meet now you cannot schedule meetings ahead so there's a, a it's an interesting difference um you can email a channel so there still is a channel email and internal and external users can use it i believe so you can still leverage that um other than that that's basically it there if you're familiar with it you can use it oh the other part is the toolbar so on the bottom when you're starting a conversation you're going to notice that it's missing a lot of buttons uh, and you can't see it here let me just pop into a new conversation even as an internal user you won't see more than emojis gifs and stickers in here so there's no uh, toolbar extensions for your conversations. So there's no third-party apps. There's no first-party extensions like polls or things like that. 
your your toolbar for conversations is very basic. So just keep that in mind. If you are if you use that a lot, if you use a lot of third party apps a lot, just make sure you have what you need before you get too invested in here. Do some testing. Always do your homework. And my my hunch there on on that fact, Alex, is is, is even going back to, to to so the limitations right there, and then the limited um, apps. Even back to the planner question, I I bet it's a permissions thing. It's just a permissions conundrum of of yeah, most of this is sitting on SharePoint, so that's probably easy enough to deal with permissions. But when you're bringing in sort of disparate systems, maybe that's just where it starts to fall apart. Yeah, and I think Microsoft still needs to kind of figure out a lot of those details over mm-hmm. time because right now, I'm, like I've set up these admit these tenants to be as open as possible, as permissive mm-hmm. as possible, and this is what we've received. So it's a small start, but an important one. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of good things happening too. Like, for example, um, as a guest user in another tenant, how do you get notifications, Ryan? Uh, right now, unless I'm, unless I have the tenant open, I get an email or on my phone, I get a number next to the teams app icon and it drives me nuts. Cause I'm crazy like that. And, and then I have to sign into that tenant to go and clear it up oh, wait. or I get an email. It's the iOS app, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always get that number on the, the little badge number, but it doesn't tell you what team it's from. And then no, sometimes when I open the... it up. It won't yeah. even tell me where that notification is coming from. So it's yeah. usually a guessing game until you get to a computer and can see it a little closer. Yeah. Email notifications are helpful, though. Yeah, but you get them after a certain amount of time. It's not definitely not an instant thing. No. Um, and I think that for me, that is really the genesis of my excitement for shared channels, Teams Connect, whatever Microsoft's calling it this week, is that tenant switching has always been a pain in the butt. Um, if you just stay in your own environment, okay, no problem. Um, but in, in our case, we're jumping into customer environments or demo environments all the time. And what that usually means for most, most users, that means leaving your work environment to go into a different one, literally switching in and out, yeah. back and forth. And my problem with that was as I would always, if I was in a customer's environment, would miss something happening at work. Someone maybe was trying to get a hold of me, calling me, sending me a message, I'd miss it. So my workaround was just using every different browser that I have installed on my workstation and staying logged into Teams on Windows, but using Teams in the browser for this client this day, doing an in-private thing over there to get into another one, using a different, using Edge here, Chrome there, whatever. Uh, and, and so not ideal because unless I kept all of those tabs open in my browser, again, you have that potential to miss something. Yeah. So you can try this out on your end right now, um, but you can note, you can still at mention external users and it will appear in your activity feed. So no tenant switching required. Yep. I can notify you as an external user and vice versa. And you, you can get the notifications inside of your activity feed. This is a big win for, in my opinion, because I love having an activity feed in Teams because it just makes it really easy to get to where I need to go. Um, And you get the red dot, which which tells you that there there is something new or something that you've missed. You can always work backwards to that rather than an ambiguous number on, on your mobile phone app. Yes, exactly. So that's a lovely update. So let's talk about this external user experience a little bit. Um, 
again, they largely get the same thing, but it's still a very limited experience. But I was surprised about what I could do. So as an example, I can add tabs. So I can, I'm almost a full contributor. You can see I don't have third-party apps in here, except one that's probably already added to this tenant. But um, I can still add first-party apps, the ones that still that are supported inside of a shared channel. So I can add SharePoint pages. I can collaborate. I can create lists, Ryan, as an external user. So if I need to start up a task or a list to keep track of what my team is working on, I can do that from here. And Visio, same thing. I don't know why only Visio shows up because, you know, you think Excel and Word and all of those would be available, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, I, either way, that's still pretty good. Um, as a member of this, I can, you know, create files. I can contribute to files. I can do all of that. Sync doesn't work. I tried it a few minutes ago before the show. Could not get connected. I don't know if that's on the roadmap. That's going to be a little gripe a little bit later on. Let's go into SharePoint. So this is where things got a little dicey. So as an admin, you need to set up your Azure B2B, all that connectivity to ensure that people can access apps and can access content and can collaborate on here. It's not a super complicated process, but it does take some work. Or it does take some work and it does take some collaboration. I did come across an error, an, an issue where I was getting kicked out of the SharePoint site all the time. I did find a workaround uh, with Microsoft support, so I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, but I just want to show what I can do inside of an app. And then what I'm going to do here, I'm going to see how long I can work in here before it decides to kick me out. But this goes back to, oh, that didn't take long. So this is the error message here. So if I try to log back in, it's going to ask me to log in, and then I get booted. The error message is basically saying that this person is not an ADD, not an Azure Active Directory. So I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, I'm just going to sign in as Deborah, who could not sync their files, but can still access SharePoint. Deborah has been, I fixed this error with Deborah's um, uh, account. So Deborah can now access this content. Deborah can create pages. Deborah can navigate the entire SharePoint site. Deborah can leverage SharePoint to its fullest, well, as far as an external user can go, which is huge because if this person needs to collaborate on news articles, create content, uh, post and support documentation on this project, they need permission to this site. They need to be able to do the work. So that's very included in here. Deborah has posted news, has collaborated on news, has made lists. I've been able to test all of that. So that's all good. Um, again, not notifications work. Um, a couple of things I found were missing as a authenticated user, external user, you can't favorite the SharePoint site, which means I can't access it from the SharePoint start page. So if you ever go to, you know, the start menu or the, sorry, the waffle menu and open up SharePoint in a new tab, you won't find the externally shared channels in here at this time. If that's coming down the road, I don't think Microsoft has mentioned that, but I hope that is part of the plan. So the only way you can get to the SharePoint site is by going to that channel and opening it up through here. So just keep that in mind. This is your gateway into that channel at this time. I also did check OneDrive to see if the that if I could access the document library from here, because that's you know something really nice to have and really important. 
but wasn't the case this time, unfortunately. That those test channel or sorry, those shared channels do not show up under the quick access menu, even if I go to more places. And I've had these open, these created for at least a week, maybe two at this point. So they're not new. And you know, sometimes new sites, new document libraries take a few days sometimes to populate into here. This is not the case. They're they're, they're just not available. So only way to get to these these externally shared channels is by going to the files tab and clicking open in SharePoint. But again, you can still add them as tabs to your channel to make them just a little bit easier to get to for external users. So beyond that, that worked great. Um, at mentions, of course, works. So Ryan, you can notify me. I can notify you. Um, I'm going to do this as Nestor because that's the same environment. But the same idea works. So if I go, I hope they don't get too, like, I hope this banner goes away after a little while. And something actually I wanted to, to jump in, um, if, if you take a sip of water, catch your breath, is, is all across this experience, which you've been showing, uh, Microsoft's really been clear and upfront about when you're not in your environment, when you're in someone else's environment. And likewise, when you are in, in your environment and it's a piece of shared, um, or it's, it's a shared property that you're working on, you see some clues as to remind you this thing is shared externally or this user is not from your org. So it's just, mm -hmm. it's nice to have those sort of visuals. I saw back when you were on SharePoint, uh, the, the page in SharePoint said, Hey, this is this is externally shared. Yes. So good on the labels. I hope they just mm -hmm. don't get too over the top with them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's new. It's I think you know trying to trying to build the habits, right? Absolutely. The last one I noticed. This is just an interesting use case. Was comments. So the modern comments inside of Word and Power and PowerPoint and Excel. You're gonna let me double. You're gonna let me select some text here. What's going on? All right. Just let me add a comment. <laughs> so. External users cannot at mention inside of comments. So this doesn't work for, I wanted to at mention Ryan because Ryan is in this tenant. Um, that doesn't work in here. So from a collaboration standpoint, you got to do it in Teams, which makes me wish they didn't, oh, it's still here. The conversation button's still here. So there you go. You can still have conversations inside of your channels, but this is where those conversations need to go. So now I can actually discuss with you what's going on on this document. So I thought they got rid of that button, but I guess not. And I'm glad they didn't because now it's more important than ever. All right, last little bits. Last little bits is the big issue I had with SharePoint. So as I mentioned before, Nestor can't get in here. So this is something to do with ADD basically saying, uh, this person is not in your, your environment. You can't they're, I don't recognize them. I don't know what to do. So let's just hop over to Office 365 admin. And this will be kind of the last summary of my thoughts here. But, or while this is loading up, I'll just give you my last thoughts. Loving shared channels. This is a great addition to Microsoft Teams, much needed to get away from tenant switching if you are in that position. But it goes beyond that. It allows you to set up more succinct collaboration environments for internal projects and, and teams. So you don't need entire teams. You just need a channel and a SharePoint site. That's easier for people, I think, to understand. I think that's easier for people to leverage. So definitely take advantage of that. Um, 
there's I'm hoping they keep pushing and expanding on this. So I hope that really gets a bit more of a boost. I hope that it gets a bit more of we get some more features. I think I hope we get some more permissions. Um, so I hope this gets this. I hope they just keep improving this experience. So the last thing I'm going to do here is just hop into ADD to show you where the gap is. So if you are an admin in your environment and you're having the same issue I have where external users keep getting booted out of SharePoint, let's take a look at what we can do here. You basically have to invite someone twice. So they get invited to the channel, they get invited to the team, and they can collaborate. But if you get blocked, you have to go to ADD, click on users, and add them to here by inviting them as a new user. So they actually have to be invited as a guest. That's how I got Deborah to stop getting kicked out of that guest environment, of that uh, SharePoint site. So it's an extra step for an admin to take care of. And I'm hoping Microsoft will address this in the near future. I've, I've commented, I've sent feedback in a number of places. So I'm hoping someone on the team will catch that and go, oh yeah, that's wrong. Let's go and fix that and just get it done. But in the short term, if you're experimenting with shared channels, make sure they're in your Azure Active Directory. And those are my first impressions of shared channels. Right on. No, I was, and I was, I haven't had the chance to, to catch up to, to where you are. And so I was very uh, curious about, you know, the, the receiving user who is external to the channel to, to see what they would see. But um, this, this looks, this looks really good so far. Again, you've, very you've outlined, yeah, you've, you've outlined some, um, some, some small issues and, and over time, I absolutely have faith that it'll, it'll get better and better, but to get to the heart of the problem, team sprawl, channel sprawl, um, private channels have been great. If you are working on a subset of users that are already part of your team. So think of these shared channels as supersets of people that are not already in your team and potentially not even in your organization. Um, get, get rid of that tenant switching, you know, bring that to a minimum. Uh, I think this is, this is a really good first step. Um, yeah. You know, we compared to, I don't know, how do you feel at this point? Like, let's do a little takeaway. What we were promised, uh, was it a, almost over a year ago, right? When they started talking about Teams Connect and shared channels, like, how do you feel? Close, I, close enough, happy, PO'd, where are you? <laughs> Not PO'd, I'd say I'm content with it right now. Mm -hmm. If that bug wasn't there, I'd be satisfied. Okay. Because it, it does everything I think they promised. I was able to invite someone. They can collaborate on documents. They can navigate that SharePoint site. They do. It hits all the major things. They can even schedule meetings in some cases. Actually, looks like uh, Nestor can't schedule a meeting. Interesting. Maybe I turn that off. Maybe they can't schedule meetings. So I might have misspoken that one. We'll come back to that another day. But everything else seems to work great. So... I'm looking forward to seeing how this progresses and I'm looking forward to seeing some creative use cases for this. So this is something we're going to have to take back to the drawing board and say, um, when you're migrating to M365 as a small, medium business, what does this look like? What are your teams going to look like? Do you need 30, a team for every department or can you nest a few up into a shared channel? Do you have a situation? Are you in a situation where... You have a lot of cross-department collaborations, a lot of projects you do that need to have some structure around them. How can you leverage shared channels for that without creating a giant administrative burden? 
What's that look like? There's a lot of questions that still need to be answered in terms of how you roll this out to an organization. So I think there's going to be a lot of good that comes out of this, but it's going to be an uphill battle to get there. It is is going to be a new way to to collaborate. So we will uh, continue to work on it for you folks. Absolutely. Okay. I definitely took a little bit more than my allocated time. Shall we shift into some best practices? Yeah, so uh, let's let's go back to go forward. Um, last month, we we were very much talking around files uh, and sort of had a theme for the MoO shows for the month. Uh, this month, we thought it would be fun to talk about really kind of task management or, or work management. So um, this week, we're talking a little bit about tasks. Um, we've got some some tips and some features coming up uh, around that theme. Next week, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about maybe sort of project style um, thinking, planning, uh, if you will. But for this week, let's let's look at tasks and let's just bring up some best practices. Let's let's kind of rapid fire this, if you will, Alex. Um, folks, we are not we are not taskmeisters. Um, we're not, you know, we're not project managers by by any stretch. Um, I think project or task management, if you have a philosophy or not, if you just fly by the seat of your pants, hey, that's okay. But I feel like it's one of these things, like it's almost as personal as your favorite pair of socks or your favorite soft drink or whatever. Um, these are some tips. These are some ideas very generically, maybe except for, for one of mine towards the end. So um, number one, blocking some time in your calendar for work couple of different ways to do this. A few weeks ago, I talked about um, using using Viva and using focus time and just getting it on your calendar. If you have to break your focus plan, hey, that's okay. But at least get those time blocks in your calendar, especially if you're a, in, a, in a professional role where your colleagues book you or they put you on meetings and things like that. If you need time to get your work done, put it in your calendar. Absolutely. Let me just show this really quickly here inside of Teams. If you've never used Viva Insights before, definitely worth a look. I actually started using this a little bit more, Ryan, and yep. I'm kind of coming around to having a little bit more assistance with managing my time. So, Ryan, and you know what? I can tell. I can tell. I could tell because you're you're set to D and D a lot more on your presence in yeah, Teams. Yeah, leave me alone I, already. Jeez. <laughs> So yeah, um, going into Viva settings or Viva Insights and going into settings, you can set your work week, your start and end times for your day. And then if you go into protect time, you can create a plan to help you add some focus time to your day. And the basic idea is, uh, I broke it apparently, um, but the basic idea is you have a plan that it's going to basically auto automatically add one or two hour blocks to your calendar usually about two weeks at a time. And they're not a series, they're individual appointments for better or for worse. I learned that the hard way. Um, but you basically get here and you can start adding focus time to your calendar. And you know, maybe you start at eight o'clock and you don't have any meetings. You can just block those times off in your calendar, get caught up on work, get caught up in emails, get something done while you're still waking up and drinking your first coffee. And then after that, the rest of the day is open but you don't have to manually go in and do it. So that's just a tool to help you move, help you uh, get started on that one. So definitely look into your focus time. 
um, as a tool to help you block time in your calendar. You can also just do that manually at any time, right? Right on. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next next tip. Ah, so same sort idea. of a same same line here. Yeah, is is enable D and D focus time focus assist. Um, I, again, it's one of those kind of courtesy things. If you see a colleague in D and D, whether they've put uh, an actual status message letting you know why or giving you some context as far as why they're their heads down or or D and D. Um, again, using D and D focus time focus assist in in this tip is to limit limit those notifications mm-hmm. uh limit the the team's dings and the updates into your activity feed if you want to go even further windows has a focus mode where you'll you'll basically turn off your windows notifications when you get an email if your system updates if your something happens with with an app or something that would otherwise notify you in notification center just to turn those things off turn your volume down or put some tunes on and turn everything else off so that you can really focus in on the task at hand. So Ryan, I know you and I are kind of on opposite ends on whether it's good, it's bad etiquette to message someone when they're in do not disturb mode, mm-hmm. because my side and my side of it, I understand why it's like, you know, I'm on do not disturb mode. Don't message me right now. I get that. Mm-hmm. But I think it kind of ignores, and this is again, my personal opinion that Work is going to continue happening. Someone's going to need to get a hold of you and send a message. They're right. not going to want to wait to message you later. That's just not good. I don't think that's a realistic expectation of people. My opinion is that the do not disturb mode enables people to message you, but without disturbing you. Right. It's about setting expectations, right? If And if you may have to have that conversation with your colleagues and say, yeah, I'm on D&D. You can message me anyways, but I'm not going to turn around unless, it, unless something's on fire. Exactly. Right. Agreed. And that's why I like the the actual status message in Teams. If you are going to go on D and D, you can you can kind of give your coworkers a clue. I'm going D and D to write something. I may not message you back. I'm going D and D to rehearse for a thing, or I'm going away from keyboard for you know ten or fifteen minutes, whatever. Again, the subtle ways you can either have that conversation with your colleagues, post something in Teams, maybe, or use that status message again just to level set. I'm on D&D. Does that mean you're not going to get anything back from me ever? Or does that mean you're not going to get back for 15 minutes or an hour? You can also set the expectation that when I'm on D&D, I'll just never message you back until for at least an hour. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, if I'm on D&D, you can message me, but don't expect a message back for a while till I'm done, till I'm ready. And if it's urgent, make sure I know it's urgent. And there's a, if the house is on fire. Yeah. And there's a good way to tell as well, if it's a D&D status or if it's a focusing status you can see that uh, sometimes if you hover over the the status icon if it's true focus time coming from focus assist or protect time it'll say focusing uh if it's a pure dnd block a do not disturb it'll uh, it'll say do not disturb all right let's hit this next one which is a duplicate sorry about that but that's do how it- important it is <laughs> <laughs> do it defer it or delegate it Okay, so this is this is one that gets maybe a little bit more philosophical, and this is something that that I do my best to live by. Uh, if you've been watching us for the last two ish years, you know I talk about David Allen's Getting Things Done. It's a book, it's an audio book. Go and check it out if you want to to sort of get into it. But it's a way of thinking about 
uh, it's a way of dealing with everything that's going to hit your inbox, whether it's a physical inbox on the corner of your desk, if you still have one of those plastic things, metal things, uh, or it's coming in as a Teams message, or it's coming in as an email, or it's a text message from your mother-in-law, whatever it is. We have all of these inputs, like it's like drinking from a fire hose, right? We have so much volume of input in the modern day. Um, so the first thing that you should do is stop, look at the thing that you get, maybe it's that email, and decide, can it be done in two minutes or less? It's a quick reply. It's a yes, no. Reactions in Teams, the thumbs up, the heart, the smiley face, those types of things. You may think that's cheeky, but that's a fantastic way of dealing with something in less than a couple of minutes. You don't have to type a response back. Everybody knows a thumbs up is a good indicator, right? So using tools like that, using quick replies in emails, using suggested replies in Teams, again, brings those things down to a click or two or three. Can it be completed in less than two minutes? Yep, do it. Get it off your mind. Reply, delete that email, You know, clear out your activity feed, clear out your missed notifications if you can do it in less than two minutes. If you can't, it's going to take you more than two minutes. You got some options. Defer it put it away for later, schedule it, turn it to a, turn it into a task on your to-do, put it in a planner board, put it in a folder called read later, whatever, whatever your preference is. Again, everybody's a little bit different. Or if you're in a position to delegate it, if it's going to take you more than a few minutes, can someone else on your team in your organization get that done for you with a different skill set, with different capabilities? Again, uh, that, that will be up, uh, you know, potentially in the air. But if you can and you're able and someone else has the time, delegate it. This um, flow chart's giving me like anxiety. Which one is it, Ryan? Can't be both. <laughs> I whiz it, up really, whiz it up really quick in Visio for, for those keeping score. All right, next up. Yeah, so this one kind of part and parcel, uh, time slice with context. So we're talking about putting in uh, focus time and using D&D, again, to, to set some time aside to do work. And again, in the flowchart that you just showed, deferring it. I'm going to defer some things for later. Whatever way you get to that time, it's, it's now later. I've deferred some things work on those things in a time slice, in a focus block, whatever you want to call it, work on those tasks in context. So if you have a bunch of writing tasks and you've got a focus block, this is my writing block. This is my marketing morning. This is my dealing with, you know, reporting Fridays, whatever. Do uh, try to do work in batches, try to do tasks or work on uh, smaller components of a project, work on them in context in a batch because you'll be in writing mode or you'll be in calling prospecting mode or you'll be in designing mode or you'll be in looking at financial reports mode. Um, but at least you're in that headspace and it'll be much easier to batch than it will be to jump from task to task with kind of no rhyme or reason. I like this, and this is something I'm trying to adopt right now because mm -hmm. when I try and focus on one task, 
My mind doesn't really work like that. I'm usually balancing between three somewhat related tasks. So I kind of already do this, but building in that time and planning and saying, hey, I'm going to work on these two or three tasks within context of each other. So I'm in that mindset. If I'm writing, I'm writing. And writing on one thing is going to make me want to write about something else or take notes on something else. So that's part of that block and it counts versus feeling like I'm scattering myself a little bit. As long as I know that that context is there, I like this. Yeah. And, and sometimes it, it gets a little uncomfortable because you got to be judicious about it. If you're in writing mode and you see that email come in, colleague asking for something, customer asking for something, it's uncomfortable to say no sometimes. But again, if you can go back to that, it takes me less than two minutes. It's not going to take me too far out of my writing time slice. I'll answer the message. I'll, I'll reply back to the email, whatever. And then you come back to to what you're focusing on. Absolutely. I like that. Okay, that's it for tips for task management. We're going to be talking about tasks all month long. So it doesn't end here. If you want to learn about something specific on tasks, let me know. But overall, let's uh, move on. We're going to be doing our, our next segment as Microsoft 365 in 10 minutes today, focusing on Microsoft to do to do. Okay. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning into this audio only version of the Mobo show. If you want to see the full episode, including demo segments such as watch and learn or feature versus feature, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash team We'll have links for you in the episode description. Take care.